Morning, everyone. I'm Kevin McGowan of Department of Public Works for the City of Sausalito, and um, like to welcome everybody to the new year and our Pedestrian Bicycle Advisory Committee. So, if it's all right, I'll read our call to order um, language here, which is. Uh, good evening, Vice Chair. I don't see Aaron Roller here, so I'm just going to figure, Karen, you're going to be running the meeting. Okay. Yeah, I'll do my best. Um, and members of the Pedestrian Bicycle Advisory Committee for the City of Sausalito. This meeting is being held pursuant to Government Code Section 54953E, and in light of that declared state of emergency, uh, the regular meeting of the Bicycle Pedestrian Advisory Committee for January 23rd, 2023, amazing uh, that we're already there, um, will be conducted telephonically through Zoom and broadcast live on the city's website and cable TV channel 27. So with that, um, why don't I call the roll and see who's here? Is that acceptable, Mr. Vice Chair? Yeah, let's proceed. Thanks, Kevin. Okay. Um, let's see. Let's try Jake Bayer. Are you here? You look like you're here. I am here. Good evening. Wonderful. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Regan Fulton. Here. Great. Uh, Vice Chair Kieran Culligan. Hi, here. Okay, so we have three. We do have a quorum. Uh, Jessica Penrod, are you here this evening? No, she's not able to make it. Oh, that's too bad. And then Aaron, I hear, is out of town. So um, we still have a quorum. So I think we can go ahead and proceed. We've got Warren Wells as well. Warren, good to see you. How are you doing? Good to you as well got a, a couple vacant positions on our committee as well, but um, I think we're good to go with that. So I think our first item, that was our first item called to order. Our second item is a public comment on items not on the agenda. And so I have a little thing to read for that as well. Video or audio public comment participation is limited to three minutes per speaker. If you would like to make a comment, please raise your hand in the Zoom application and you'll be called upon when it is your time to speak. To raise your hand from a phone, press star nine. Each speaker will be notified when their time has elapsed. Is there anybody who would like to share some public comment at this point? And while we're thinking about it, I think I'll just mention that we sure have had a lot of rain here in town and throughout the county. Um, a lot of good work has happened to try to keep us safe and a lot of things behind the scene between all sorts of different agencies. But um, it also takes you folks too to help us out, notify us where things are happening. And I think that's been a good thing. So I'm, I'm pretty proud of the communication effort, efforts that we see from our, our community and throughout our public agency. So with that, Mr. Vice Chair, I don't see any hands raised. Oh, there's one, Mr. Warren Wells for public comment. Yeah, sorry, just at the buzzer. Um, I actually, I wasn't sure if this, uh, if we talked about this last at the last meeting, but in case folks uh, missed it last time or I didn't mention it last time, the um, the Golden Gate Bridge dist uh, Highway Transportation District um, has started up its pedestrian bicycle advisory committee. Um, yeah, it's kind of still in the in the works, um, but. Uh, but we have a good group of people and uh, we're meeting every two months to develop the bylaws and and put some priorities together. The um, you know, district's been around for 75 years, but um, up until now it hadn't had a PBAC. It had a bus passenger and ferry passenger advisory committee, but didn't have anyone focused um, directly on, on trying to improve bike and pedestrian access. So we're looking, you know, hopefully with, with that, we can make some uh, progress on 
Alexander, the, the road into Sausalito. So um, looking forward to working on that and meeting up, meeting us, meeting the city halfway or, you know, at the border. Thanks, Warren. That's really helpful too. Keep us advised here at the city. Like to uh, to work with Golden Gate Bridge Highway Transportation District. In fact, we're already doing that with a couple of their soil movements uphill of Sausalito itself. So that, that communication is pretty, it's a good thing to have. All right, thank you, Warren. I don't see any other public, any other hands raised for public comment. So if it's okay with you, Mr. Vice Chair, why don't we move forward with item three, which is approval of minutes from October 17th, 2022. Yeah, let's do that. Thank you, Kevin. Any questions from the PBAC committee before we move to public comment? Okay, seeing none, any public comment on item three? Seeing none, I'll take a motion to approve the minutes. I move to approve the minutes. And second I will let Jake to second that. Motion. I was second that. <laughs> okay, All right, I'll call the roll press. <laughs> Regan Fulton. I approve, yes. Great. Vice Chair Kieran Culligan. Yes. Jake Bear. Yes. Great, that motion passes. Thank you very much. All right, um, I believe we're on to item four, which are our discussion items. And I'm I'm glad to see that we have, um, I think we, oh, there he is, Mr. David Parisi on board this evening. He's gonna give us a presentation on the, the bridgeway safety study from Napa to Johnson Street or to San Carlos. And um, we've been talking about this uh, earlier this, earlier last week. And so I'm excited to, hand it over to David to give us a presentation on, on what you're seeing as far as safety improvements. Excellent, thank you, Kevin, and good evening, PBAC members. I'm David Parisi with Parisi Transportation Consulting, and I'm joined tonight by two of my colleagues, Jen Schreiber and Veneerman Donis, and uh, they've been doing a lot, of, a lot of work over the last uh, few months as we've um, processed uh, what we heard at the last PBAC meeting, including the collision information and started developing some options for consideration. We're going to go over those tonight. There's a lot of uh, opportunities and they all have trade-offs and we'll talk about those. Um, really, there's not a final report in store yet because there's a lot of um, things that can be mixed and matched and we're looking forward to input from um, the PBAC tonight. Without further ado, I'm going to jump into a, a presentation, with lots of slides to share. And um, let me just get started with that. So tonight we're gonna do a real quick recap of what we covered last October. We're also gonna share with you some of our uh, initial ideas for the corridor, the six block uh, corridor between Napa and Johnson. We have a couple of focus areas that we're gonna talk about. One is the Napa intersection itself, which is the highest collision intersection in the study area. And we, Determine that there could be some benefit looking outside the study area as well uh, for some improvements. And so we're, we're going to slide in uh, uh, an idea we have between Easterby and Napa. And then we want to open it up uh, to discussion, but by all means, feel free to interrupt as we go. And if we can save a lot, most of it for the end, that'd be awesome. Okay. At our last meeting, we spent a lot of time diving into the collision data from a five-year period of January 1st, 2017 to December 31st, 2021. 
I'm just going to recap that tonight. We know during that five-year period, there was 40 collisions that were reported. Almost half of them involved vulnerable users, including 13 cyclists and five pedestrians. This map here um, shows where the collisions occurred. Cyclists are shown with a square symbol, pedestrians with a round symbol. Vehicle-only collisions between two vehicles or vehicle and a fixed object are shown in um, triangles. And then the type of collision is shown in a different color, but you can see collisions have occurred across the uh, entire six block network with a huge focus at Napa Street and then at all the intersections um, as well. In summary, most of the collisions, 90% of them that involved a bicyclist and a pedestrian resulted in an injury. 80% of the pedestrian collisions occurred when the pedestrian was crossing in a crosswalk, in a marked crosswalk. We have 11 uncontrolled marked crosswalks along this six block corridor. Here are the top primary collision factors by the, uh, in the police reports. Top one is improper turning. So people turning into a pedestrian or a cyclist um, or into another car. Unsafe speed was cited about 18% and then folks not yielding right away, a 10%. And there can be multiple factors for the same collision. Um, I'm gonna jump into some of the existing condition mapping we did. I'm gonna be switching screens uh, occasionally, uh, like right now, just to kind of walk you through uh, some of these things. So just bear with me. Now I'm back. So this is the existing condition map. Can, you, can I get a, Kieran, a head nod? Do you see this? Excellent, all right. Yeah, so, so we're gonna go from north to south. And um, this is just to show you what we know about the existing infrastructure along this segment of Bridgeway. It includes the Napa intersection, which is our first uncontrolled crosswalk. Actually, it's the very first uncontrolled crosswalk all the way from gate six to this point. Everything else is signalized along the corridor. We took all the dimensions and you can see those from curb face to curb face here as well as where the uh, city right-of-way is, as shown in blue. As I mentioned, there's 11 uncontrolled crosswalks, a couple here at B, and there's places where parking is allowed all the way up into the crosswalk. We've noted in red color where parking is prohibited, but we know that there's some parking that's allowed very, very close, actually within the 20-foot um, preferred no parking zone, and we'll be talking about that recommendation tonight. So I'm just going through the corridor real quick, again, showing more of the uncontrolled crosswalks. There's a three block segment where we do have a northbound bike lane between Letho and Napa. And there's also a three block segment where we don't have a northbound bike lane between Johnson. I'm sorry, it's four blocks. It's between Johnson right here to Pine, Pine the Turney, Turney Locust, and Locust Letho. So of the six blocks, four blocks do not have a northbound bike lane. That's the only northbound bike lane gap that we have between Princess and Gate 6. But lo and behold, you also do see parking um, starting on the east side of Bridgeway, south of Letho Street. We, we measured all the parking spaces, determined where they were, as well as where some of the spot spaces are X'd out where there are trees and whatnot on the other side of the street. This is very important to us to understand what we can do within the existing right-of-way. 
when we look at various options, which I'm going to show you uh, tonight. Again, the quarter study quarter extends all the way south to Johnson Street, which is a signalized intersection. So jumping back to the PowerPoint presentation. We've also done some work, and this is Jen's handiwork, of sharing just a, kind of a prototypical block along Bridgeway. And we chose the block between Turney and Pine Street for a couple of reasons. Um, this is a location where there is no northbound bike lane. North is coming toward us, south away from us. And it's also a block where there's kind of a separated informal two-way bikeway on the east side of the street. That's shown here as well in this rendering. You can certainly see the southbound bike lane and the parking that occurs out on the street. Um, what we did notice is that the roadway consists of pavement that's, that's deteriorating. And Kevin could probably talk more about that. But also that the markings on the street are not with paint or thermoplastic, they're with bots dots, uh, which are glued on, epoxy on dots on the street. Um, which, frankly, I, it didn't really dawn upon me until we started doing this study that they really don't provide a lot of definition for the travelway, uh, particularly for motorists on this street. At our last meeting, we talked about a number of uh, potential countermeasures shown on this list, and this isn't all inclusive. There's there's things that we, you know, this this feedback and others may think about, and we're going to share with you many of these uh, tonight things that can be mixed and matched and what the various impacts would be of implementing some of these. All right, I'm gonna be sharing with you several options along this six block corridor. And um, I may turn to my team here to talk a little bit some, about some of the uh, quantitative effects, uh, but also I just want you to, to keep in mind, some of these will be a mix and match and we will come back and, and chat about them a bit more. We're using a phrase called near-term improvements because these are things that, that could be done actually relatively inexpensively um, and potentially with, with minimal impacts. And we're gonna show you an option on the six block scenario that certainly would reduce travel speeds for cars. It would remove parking spaces, but only five of them. There's about 66 parking spaces along this six block segment. It would retain uh, left turn lanes, which are important for a number of reasons. We'll talk more about that tonight, but um, it's to reduce congestion and to, um, you know, encourage motorists not to get too impatient to, to shoot a gap and hit a pedestrian or whatnot crossing a crosswalk. We'll talk more about that tonight. This first option would not complete that four block gap in the northbound bicycle system. Uh, it would do some things, though, for cyclists by increasing visibility and circulation at the Johnson Street intersection. And then for pedestrians, um, there are several ways we can incre increase the visibility of pedestrians in the crosswalks where most of them have been hit. There's a potential for flashing beacons at some locations. And there's also potential for either crosswalk consolidation, indoor installation of refuge islands on the roadway. So without further ado, let me let me walk through that. This is impossible to see this. So again, I'm going to stop the screen and pull up uh, this option. Bring the screen back. 
and then share it with you. Okay, here we are. So here, this is what we're calling near-term option because uh, we think it has a, a potential for being implemented sooner rather than later. This is showing some slight restriping along the roadway uh, and some realignment of some of the turn lanes. Some of the left turn lanes are, are exceedingly long, by the way. We thought there's an opportunity here to shorten some up and define them better. There's also the opportunity to put in some red curb. The California Manual and Uniform Traffic Control Devices recommends 20 feet in front of and behind uncontrolled crosswalks. So we're looking at those opportunities. And wherever showing this uh, kind of purple X would be a place where we'd need to remove a parking space. So as I mentioned before, uh, this option taken on its own would remove uh, a total of five parking spaces. Not all red curb extensions would require parking removal. Um, you do see on this option the potential for doing things again like removing parking spaces, increasing visibility at these crosswalks because a lot of times the cars are parked right up to the crosswalk. Installation of brand new striping with paint or thermoplastic to really define the lanes. Shifting things over as much as practical to provide a nice um, continuous facility. Potentially installing shark's teeth or yield lines in front of any crosswalk, as well as new signage. And as I mentioned uh, earlier, this, this first kind of option, again, we're going to overlay a whole bunch of ideas tonight, but this one would not provide the northbound bike lane because that has some effects that we'll talk about momentarily. But as you see, as we kind of scroll down the street, lots of things that, again, with the minimal impact, about five, taking five parking spaces, and you'll see that we can recoup some of the, we're actually re moving more than five, but we're recouping some, so the net loss is five by adding parking spaces in areas where we have these painted X's and making sure that people can open up car doors without hitting a tree. So there's actually some space right now with uh, meter. If we shift meters around on the uh, east side of the street where we could gain some parking, but overall there'd be a net reduction of about five parking spaces. Down at Johnson Street, we found an opportunity to add a, potentially add a bike box because we do have a streaming class two bike lane that comes into this intersection. So if the light was red, cyclists could take advantage of a bike box. There's half a dozen of these now uh, throughout Marin, which allow you to jump in front of traffic. And then uh, when the light turns green, jump out ahead uh, without having to worry about that merge across this intersection where it goes from a bike lane uh, to no bike lane. We're also showing some uh, higher visibility markings at this intersection. I'm going to bring up a different graphic as well, um, and I'm kind of becoming a Zoom expert, I guess, tonight. This is uh, pretty much the same graphic, but I'm going to show you some opportunities that we're seeing for pedestrian uh, improvements along the corridor. And I want you to keep these in mind because they will pertain to um, almost every option that we're going to be showing you tonight. Uh, let's see. Um, bear with me for two seconds. 
Excellent. I got the graphic back up from my server. So as David's bringing that up as well, um, he's what he's doing is he's running through some low-hanging fruit and then some more, um, I want to say drastic, but just different types of options for you to take a look at. Exactly. The idea from the city was to give uh, Parisian Associates their their uh, reign to go ahead and really think about this. So yeah. go ahead. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate that. So this is that same option. And what we're doing here under this option is what we noticed right away on the street today is that, actually, I'll zoom out. It's very interesting. Uh, in the northbound direction, every other block has a left turn lane from northbound Bridgeway into one of the side streets. So for instance, at Turney, Lito, and Napa. In the southbound direction, wherever there is a side street, there's an opportunity to turn left. So Locust, Turney, Pine, and Johnson. Uh, but today there's also, and it, was, it was very interesting, like I said about those bus stops earlier, I didn't realize how much what I would call dead space there is out there on the street in the median that's not being used. You know, like I said before, some of the left turn lanes are excessively long and they've just been that way for years. So there's an opportunity to shorten them up. But as importantly, at each of the crosswalks, you can see there's an opportunity if we chose choose to, to either consolidate, that is remove one crosswalk and make this, the remaining crosswalk really high visibility and protected as much as possible. Uh, B Street, there's no left turns into B Street. Um, so there's really no need for left turn lanes. In other words, either side of B could be used for refuge to install a refuge island to allow pedestrians cross in two stages. Or possibly, you know, well, there's already a ball over here, maybe extending a ball a little further, or possibly just consolidating this to one crosswalk. Typically, that's not a treatment I'd like to see, but when you have 11 uncontrolled crosswalks, so closely spaced along a corridor, and the type of drivers on this street, including tourists, may not be a bad idea to think about some consolidation because if we could consolidate and provide one crosswalk per location with a refuge island, maybe the opportunity to do things like uh, flashing beacons and things like that. So I wanted to bring that up because these are ideas that can be mixed and matched along the corridor. Carrying that one step further, Letho Street. This would be the location. If you were to do one crosswalk, it makes sense to put it on the north side, right? Because it's in the shadow of a left turn lane and there's no need for left turn pocket here. So there's an opportunity to maybe make this um, the potential crosswalk if there is a cons consolidation. Same thing at Locust. There's no left turn line here. There's potential to do a refuge island or some type of treatment at this location and really consolidate it. Hey, pedestrians, this is where you should be. We're gonna provide the best crossing possible. Refuge island, signs, possibly in beacons. I'm gonna come back to, to turning in a second. The same deal down at Pine. There's no left turn pocket here too. So maybe this would be, uh, if you were to consolidate crosswalks, this would be another nice location to do it. We could provide a really good treatment out at this intersection. There's only one intersection where we have left turns going in both directions between Johnson and Napa, and that's attorney. 
as you can see right here. So um, this is one that we'd have, if we were to do this type of treatment up and down the corridor, this is one we'd have to chew on, figure out what makes sense. Would it make sense to potentially uh, eliminate the northbound turn, for instance, this one here, and put a, put a refuge in this area? Um, to be determined, what we know is that would cause some traffic circulation issues. I'm going to show you momentarily uh, an option where we get removal left turn lanes and some of the pros and cons associated with that. But anyway, this is food for thought. And we wanted to let you know and show you right out of the gate that this is an option that can be overlaid with, with several of the alternatives. I'm going to go back to the presentation now. And this is what we just showed you. Again, we're going to come back to that and get your input on it. We have another idea. And each of these ideas has bigger effects on parking incrementally as we go. As I mentioned, there's uh, some, some quote unquote waste of space in the center line out there. There could be an opportunity to shift the center line a bit without doing major curb work on the street um, and get a northbound bike lane in, in that four block segment. We think that's important and we've heard it. Uh, so there's an opportunity to that, but if we were to retain the left turn lanes, this would remove it, have a net, net loss of 27 parking spaces. Less than half, but quite a few along the street. Similar to the other option I showed you, it could increase uh, visibility for pedestrians in the crosswalks of the various treatments, potential for beacons, potential for islands, and uh, certainly could be combined with the crosswalk consolidation I just showed you a moment ago. So I'm going to shift screens again and take you to the what we're calling a, a shift centerline option. And I'm back. Here it is. So again, uh, it's going to look similar to in some ways to what I showed you previously with some of the um, red daylighting areas on the east side of the street. Um, it, things don't start to change much until we get up to Balitha Street. And here's where we're showing on the east side some carving of the curb. Uh, but we're also showing, and we're doing that to get the bike lane in because this does not exist today. So from Letha Street down to Johnson, there is no northbound bike lane. Under this option, we are showing retention of the southbound bike lane. But you're going to see a bunch of um, purple X's, which kind of are carryover from the previous option we showed you for the daylighting scenarios. And then these orange X's, if we were to pursue this, again, 27 parking spaces in total would be lost in net. But you can see here's uh, between Turney and Locust. Uh, we actually could make it work and save the parking spaces that are there. It just requires a little meander uh, in the bike lane uh, through that block. When we go further to the south, you see that it could be possible also to provide the bike lane between Pine and Turney. But in this case, no matter how we slice it, if we're retaining turn lanes, would need, to re would need to take the parking away on the east side of the street. And then finally, between Johnson and Pine, uh, you're seeing retention as much parking as we possibly could do. It would require removal of about two-thirds of spaces on that block and some minor uh, curb shaving. And you are seeing these little parking tees would no longer be here underneath the cursor, but there would be a bike lane that have somewhat of a meander. Now these dimensions, none of these are final here. 
it could be possible if something like this was pursued to provide wider bike lanes, six feet, six and a half, maybe even seven, perhaps depending on how wide we want the median island in the street. But again, this is an area that can provide some opportunities for pedestrian crossings. So I don't want to lose track of that. Okay. So there are some things that need to be mixed and, that can be mixed and matched on these options. So I'm going to keep on moving on. I know we're covering a lot, but I know I got a smart group here that understands everything I'm doing. Um, this is back to uh, compare some of the isometric views that, that Jen prepared. This is existing conditions. We shift the center line and this prototypical block, we'd have to remove the parking. And you can see it, go, it would go from Bastas to solid lines. And the curb, for the most part, would stay the same, except you can see the two bulbs on the east side of the street would need to be shaved back to make this work. Okay. All right. I'm going to keep on moving on. We got lots of cover, then we can come back and answer any last questions. There's another couple options. One is to just bite the bullet, remove all the east side parking. This would remove a few more parking spaces. The net loss would be 33 park spaces removed overall. That includes some on the east side of the, or the west side of the street that we would have for removed for some of the daylighting uses. So there's about half the parking spaces along this six block segment. Under an option that would retain, this would retain the left turn lanes as we're about to show you. Um, it would provide that four block gap. It would provide that bike lane where we have the four block gap today on northbound Bridgeway, and also have a number of possibilities for improvements for pedestrians. So let me uh, shift screens and show you this option now. Thank you for your patience. Um, here we go. Again, I'm starting on the north side at Napa. You're seeing things aren't, don't look that much different from what we showed you before because we already have bike lanes on these two blocks between Napa and Niso Street. But it gets more interesting for the next four blocks as we go from Lethal down to Johnson. And you see here that if um, all the parking was removed, five foot plus, we're actually showing seven foot over here, bike lanes could be added. Again, we can work with the dimensions a lot of opportunities along the street. And not to only do the bike, bike lane gap, but also all the pedestrian improvements that we shared with you before, including potential um, consolidation of crosswalks, bulb outs, or refuge islands. So there you go. I'm gonna share with you two more ideas. Well, let's actually look at these graphics again, what this would look like. So this is the existing conditions for the, what we're calling a prototypical block between Turney and Pine. This would be if, if parking uh, was removed. Doesn't look too much different than the previous one. We can just reallocate some of the um, 
uh, dimensions. We are certainly showing more defined area for that center median instead of this big wide open swath of dots, dots that may not define turn lanes uh, very well. Speaking of turn lanes, um, we wanted to look at another option that would slice this a little differently. And that is instead of um, removing all the parking, what would happen if the left turn lanes at select locations? And that is probably everywhere except for Napa and Johnson were removed. We want to understand what the impacts would be. Certainly there'd be fewer parking spaces uh, removed. There'd only be 11 overall. But as, you'll, as you can imagine, there would be limited access to the surrounding streets on both sides of the bridgeway. There could be backups. You know, somebody's if left turns would imagine still be allowed. So somebody would be making it through a through lane. They may feel the pressure of delay of cars behind them and do something that potentially is ill-advised or during emergency situations, uh, it'd be tough to bypass traffic. That's some of my, um, some of the traffic impacts, I think that could occur. But under an option, which we're about to show you, still would allow the addition of a northbound bike lane and have the various opportunities for pedestrians. So let me jump into that option. And I'm gonna pull up that graphic in just a moment. Be the left turn lane removal. Okay, where'd you guys go? Okay, here we go. Wouldn't be necessary in the first couple blocks, of course. Interestingly enough though, we don't have left turns at B Street anyway. So it's kind of a zero net game. But as we go down the street, if left turns were to be disallowed, you can see how much skinnier we can get the median. There would be some offsets of travel lanes uh, between intersections, but they wouldn't be uh, outrageous. They'd be actually acceptable. But you can see for instance between Locust and Letho, it would be possible theoretically to retain all the parking spaces and a traffic lane in each direction. There just would not be dedicated left turn lanes, for instance, into Letho here, you can see one exists today, or into Locust, uh, resulting in potential traffic effects. As we carry it further down, you can see we could do some fancy stuff with meandering stripes and whatnot. Um, to potentially provide a little left turn pocket into Turney if necessary. But again, the intent here was if we, you know, wanted to maximize parking, but didn't want to provide turn lanes, this is exactly how it, it could look on the corridor. Still the opportunity to do many of the pedestrian improvements that we share, shared with you before, including, um, you know, curb, extent, or curb extensions, uh, refuge islands, and potential crosswalk consolidation. All right, I'm going to keep on going because I know there's going to be a lot of questions, but I think I can wrap stuff up in about five or six minutes and share with you a couple other things before I lose you. All right. So here we go again. Here's our cross-section view of existing conditions. 
on this corridor. Uh, if there were no left turn lanes, this prototypical block could look something like this. Again, no left dedicated left turn lanes. Doesn't mean left turns would have to be prohibited. They could still be allowed. In fact, you'd probably want to still allow them just for local access and not to congregate everything at two intersections. There would just be uh, more congestion and uh, potential emergency vehicle impacts. I'm toggling right now between some ideas here and what you're gonna see just on this option, we just decided to put on this is like, we're showing little refuge areas that potentially could be provided under this scenario or other options where we don't have left turn pockets. Remember, there's a lot of options where we can have a left turn pocket on one side of the intersection, but not it's not needed on the other. So there's the opportunity for curb extensions that are at least six feet, maybe even eight feet wide, or even wider for folks that may be crossing the street with a cargo bike, uh, for instance. And I'm gonna make one more toggle and you'll see a crosswalk disappear. It reappears, it disappears. So this is really symbolizing the potential of consolidating crosswalks. So perhaps there's one crosswalk that's kind of a super crosswalk at each of the, at each of the intersections, you know, where all the bells and whistles are provided, including Refuge Island, um, signage, and potential RRFB, Rectangular Rapid Flash. All right, we can come back to this um, wordy matrix later, but this is showing some of the ideas that we've come up with, and we've just named them conveniently, the near-term improvements, shift the center line, remove all the parking on the east side or remove left turn lanes. And this is just giving a quick snapshot of pros and cons. And I'm sure this group will have other things that we can add to this list. All of them, of course, can provide different walking and pedestrian safety uh, measures. Now I'd be remiss if I wasn't uh, aware of a potential long-term vision for a cycle track along the street. So we decided to take a look and try to understand what that would look like and, and what it would require. And uh, we haven't done an engineering drawing that's not in our scope of work, but we have done um, a little, a little uh, cross-section view. I'll show you that in a second. What we do know is that to build it to standard would require full reconstruction of the curb on the east side of the street. We'd actually need to move it in about two, three or four feet to the west. Uh, to get all the features uh, in play. Um, and we also know that this could not accommodate parking on both sides of the street if bike lanes and left turn lanes were still to be provided. Again, there's different ways to slice and dice this. Um, I do think left turn lanes are important on this corridor for a number of reasons. And I personally have to imagine, I'm, and I'd love to get the input from the BPAC on the class two bike lanes that are out there, even though they're only five feet, in width, it just seems that if there was a two-way cycle track on the east side of the street, the majority of riders would still use the street. And so uh, it'd be for a different type of, of user group. And that, that's something I'd love to test tonight and get feedback from um, the speedback. Again, existing conditions looking to the south or our prototypical block between Turney and Pine, and then what it could look like potentially with the cycle track, starting from the left side or the east side, that back sidewalk would be right on the right-of-way line. We're showing a six-foot sidewalk. 
we're showing a two-way cycle track uh, with, a, with a buffer. And we are showing left turn lanes and uh, minimal bike lanes, class two bike lanes along Bridgeway. We are holding the eastern or the western curb of the street on this option and retaining parking along that. There's different ways to do this. Um, all the options would probably put the curb on the same at the same location with a two-way cycle track on the east side of the street. And um, again, I want to I'd love to hear feedback later on. On the, on the cycle track option, which certainly could be a long-term vision. We do know there'd be a lot of utility impacts, there'd be curb impacts, there'd be landscaping effects um, and, and high cost. But we do, do wanna show, we wanna be aware of it in case there is a vision to, to um, segue into that at some point in time. All right, I wanna get through a, a few focus areas next. Um, Napa Street, as we're all aware, has been the location of a number of collisions, uh, including pedestrians and, and cyclists being hit at this location. Um, we have some ideas, including roundabout idea. Ultimately, we're gonna show you those in a second, but we wanted to start out with um, just something pretty simple, lower cost for consideration. Um, this shows a curb bulb on the west side. It shows a pedestrian refuge island on the south leg of Bridgeway and potentially reconfiguring uh, the east side again to make the crosswalk shorter, um, more direct with directional ramps. So just a, just a quick idea of what potentially could be done at the NAP intersection. So next I'm gonna show you more expensive and potential longer term ideas. These are literally one hour ago off the plotter. So they are preliminary. They will be going through a series of iterations. They're not perfect, but they're close. And so we're showing you that yes, indeed, a modern one single lane roundabout could fit at this intersection. Um, and this would accommodate the uh, types of trucks and buses that proceed through the intersection. It would enable cyclists to use the roundabout or bypass it with some ramps and use a shared use path if they want and then in, enter back into uh, the roundabout. Uh, so we're pretty pleased about this. Just for fun, we put that structure that's over here into the middle of the roundabout just for fun. But anyway, I don't know if that'd even be possible to move it over there or reconstruct it. But nonetheless, um, this a roundabout would really um, certainly help alleviate many of the issues that we see at the NAP intersection. We're gonna show you another option too. We know that Bridgeway carries thousands of cyclists a day. So um, you don't see many of these types of roundabouts, but there is the opportunity with some right-of-way impacts to actually create a bikeway that goes around the outside of the roundabout using some modern standards. More work to be done, but what you're seeing in this case is the seasoned cyclist certainly could take the roundabout and go in the middle of it. Other cyclists, if they chose, could take a, a six foot bikeway lane, cross some bike crossings and re-enter into the roundabout and continue on. This could be done for all the legs at the, inter at the roundabout. It does take a wider footprint to make this happen 
and you'll see that the roundabout has shifted a little bit to the north to accommodate that. Again, more work to be done. You see a little air over here. We got a bus stop within the bike lane. So there's some things we need to fix, but you know, these, these take lots of iterations. And so we'd love to hear feedback tonight before we continue making changes. We're also showing some right-of-way impacts into this lot on the northeast corner to make this work. So um, it's possible and it's exciting. I mean, but it's a, it's a long potential longer-term option, um, but with the number of collisions that have occurred here, I think it could score pretty well in a, in a safety application. So that's something to be, to be considering. We have not done a cost estimate for this, that's, that's to come. One thing you're gonna notice on these options and I'm about to wrap up is that on a roundabout, it has one lane coming in and one lane coming out. So we wanna show you, we had this other idea, totally outside of the study area, but something that I think merits um, your consideration is that stretch of bridgeway southbound between Easterby and Napa. As I mentioned, there's four blocks where there's no bike lane on northbound direction between Princess and Gate 6. And there's also a stretch in the southbound direction where there's no bike lane. And th this is where it is, it's between Easterby and Napa. There's no bike lane there. So um, there's about 1,100 foot gap in the southbound bikeway. It's also where vehicular travel speeds transition from a signal all the way down to Napa Street, which is our first uncontrolled crosswalk. It goes from about 35 to 30 to 30, 25 miles an hour uh, with his zone. And I know we all, we probably are all very aware it's a pretty challenging weaving area for cyclists and the people turning right onto Napa in their car. Um, we think consideration emerging this area right after Easterby to one lane could improve, number one, it would provide a bikeway and it could have a nice transition into, into Napa Street and into the study quarter that we're talking about tonight. So Venera, um, one of my colleagues on the call tonight who also, by the way, created all the other plan views, created this one as well, which shows the potential of right after Easter B, which is a traffic signal, merging the two lanes to one. This merged distance follows the design speed from the California Manual Uniform Traffic Control Devices. So it is to standard. If it was shorter, it would not be to standard, but it could be considered, especially if we were able to lower the speed. But it is showing a merge so that by this point where the cursor is, there'd be one single lane. And you can see that there'd be room to do a tra single traffic lane and a buffered bike lane. And then regain parking at about uh, this location here. We would lose about half the parking spaces on the street between Easterby and Napa. Uh, this match line connects to this one down here. So we're continuing to go south. And you can see it could be a single lane if it was done this week, <laughs> you know, or, or soon, it could certainly be transitioned as shown here. Or if there's a roundabout here, you would just continue this into a roundabout and potentially regain the parking, you know, from, you know, through, the, through this section in this area. So that could be a way to remedy some of the parking loss. So we'd love to hear your input on this tonight. Um, this is, uh, again, something we, we felt could help the Napa intersection, because this is pretty tricky, you know, for all users uh, at this point right here. 
All right, I'm kind of out of air and I'm going to stop there and uh, hope I didn't bore you. But we'd love to hear any any yeah. comments you guys may have. Um, the the PBAC, just want to thank you and your team for all your hard work. So that's much appreciated. Um, I don't want to put you too much on the spot, but one of the things that I know that you're thinking of in the back of your mind when you look at these are traffic speeds and looking at traffic calming. Are there some of these options that present more traffic calming and um, better safety aspects than others? Or maybe I'm putting you too much on the spot right now and you guys need to think about it still, but traffic calming and speed through this area is pretty important as well. What are your thoughts on that? You know, Kevin, I, I haven't thought a ton about it. You know, we, we're just looking at each of these options and, and pros and cons. However, I, I think they're all pretty similar from a traffic calming impact or from a, you know, a, a viewpoint. Um, the intent of providing better markings, consolidated crosswalks, perhaps. Um, you know, just, uh, I think all that, all that would help. I think a big, big thing would be, you know, coming in is where we have those high speeds, particularly southbound coming into Napa. Roundabout would certainly be, be uh, super helpful from a traffic calming perspective. Um, I think providing that northbound bike lane would be, um, you know, a major safety improvement, as well as anything we do for all the pedestrians. Because again, most of the pedestrian hits uh, have been in crosswalks and where people haven't been paying attention. We are showing, you know, daylighting, which is a red curb or bulbs to improve improve sight lines. So again, I, I think there's they're pretty equal. I think you get a bigger big bang for the buck when you start doing some of the the raised uh, islands. So anything with like roundabout or refuge islands, I think those opportunities would provide really good traffic calming options. So and Jan, Jan or Venera, feel free to jump in on this too, because you guys- yeah, Before I turn it back over to the, the, uh, the group, uh, many thanks. And city staff is actively pursuing many grants. And so we're looking at trying to, to find some money, not only for the roundabout, but for any improvements through this corridor. We're looking for funding that can support the Easterby signal, the Spring Street signal, and many others throughout. And so we've been going through an effort with our consultant, um, not Parisi, but with another consultant who specializes in grants in order to identify them and try to apply for them. So we're hoping that we can secure some additional funding on these, and that will help us steer us in certain directions as well. In other words, do we jump into the, uh, the not so expensive ones right away, or maybe if we do get a grant fund, we jump into something more significant. So again, many thanks, David, and your team. Appreciate all your work. The graphics were great. And then let's turn it back over to our vice chair, Kieran. That was fantastic. So much food for thought. So much amazing work there, David, Jen, Venera. Thank you. Um, I'll kind of just maybe hand it over to my fellow committee members and see if there's any questions, comments, and then we can open up to public comment. How does that sound? Sounds, sounds great. All right. Regan, why don't you go for it? Uh, thanks. I have a couple of questions that um, are uh, not necessarily directed at any particular aspect of the presentation or with a motivation toward a particular design, but I have a question about first the pedestrian collisions 
was there a time of day uh, that they particularly occurred? Was it daylight, like tourist season, uh, Sunday afternoon, or nighttime? Because I find that it's it's very difficult to um, to see pedestrians at night. Do you do you have a a thought about that, David? You know, um, I'm going to ask my team to help confirm this because we do have all the information. And I think we presented that at the last meeting about time of day, day of week. And uh, Venera, Jennifer, do you guys have that? I think it's mostly during the daytime. Yeah, I have that up right now. So okay. of the five pedestrian and vehicle collisions, three of them occurred between noon and 4 p.m. And then one occurred between 4 and 8 p.m. And one between 8 and midnight. Well, it's just a um, sort of anecdotal thought, but I, I do notice the lighting is, is not so great uh, when driving uh, and pedestrians are entering the intersections. So I applaud the idea of consolidating for one and then having refuges. And I like the idea, if possible, of having the flashing beacons and maybe even better lighting. But all of those things I think are tremendously important because as a driver, I'm very nervous coming down Bridgeway, even though I'm going well under 25 miles an hour, it still seems unsafe. Yeah, and then when you get to say, if you include San Carlos intersection, that's there's 13 uncontrolled crosswalks. <laughs> right, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know why they stopped. I, why, do we have, <laughs> why do we have controlled crosswalks uh, uh, north of there? Another question I have is, is having to do with the median. You seem to want to maintain the median width. Um, despite removing the left turn lanes in most of your models. Yeah. Um, is there a motivation for that? Because it seems to me that the width of the bike path, bike lane would potentially get uh, larger if the median were narrower. So there, is, there is a motivation to that. If we are to maintain left turn lanes at all the key, inter at the key locations. So for instance, I showed you every other block going northbound, there's a left turn lane. Yeah. And then every roadway on the east side has a left turn lane feeding it. Um, the motivation of maintaining the area where we have potential for a pedestrian refuge is what I would call in the shadow of the left turn lane on the other side of the street. And if we didn't maintain that, we're going to have some major transitions from intersection to intersection, cars meandering and weaving all over the place. So it's actually an opportunity. I look at it as an opportunity that never presented itself to me before because of all the bot stats and the, it's never, it's, it's never been really, I've never been really aware of myself of how the striping works out there. But when we started looking at dead spots and what's not being used and the, the pavement that's never traversed, those are the areas that could, could provide the potential for refuge islands. And, and you know, in, in the shadow of left turn lane on the other side of the street. So I think it's a neat, neat opportunity. Well, thank you very much. That's, that's mm -hmm. all I, I had except I guess one comment. The there's the potential that the, the roundabout actually yeah. could serve as a left turn lane if somebody decided just to go a couple extra blocks and make a nice safe left turn. That's probably what I would decide to do. But yeah, that that's that's true. If uh, was a was attorney that has the the one place where we can't where we have two left turn lanes, you know, they could come down the Letho where the left turns or all the way back to to Napa and back. So that, that may be one way to to solve the tourney dilemma, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Jake, any questions or comments? Yeah, a few, if I can. Um, first off, 
fantastic. Thank you so much for doing this. This is super exciting. Um, and love, love all the options. I, I definitely second uh, Regan's comment about the, the lighting at mm -hmm. night uh, and in mornings too, you know, people are out and about. Um, I, I don't know, you know, I'm not familiar with the width of the bike lanes, but I, as we kind of alluded to, I suspect that there's going to be cyclists that don't use the bike lane and those that do. And I think if we, there, perhaps there's a scenario in which if we make the bike lane as wide as possible and we still have folks using the roadway, that we get the same kind of uh, animosity with cars and bikes today. Um, it, I don't know if we're going to get that extra benefit or the extra width. Um, I did have a question, the roundabout. It, it, it looked at like you said that uh, we're going to lose half the parking if we did the, the two into one lanes, but it looks like we would add a considerable amount of parking as well that would lead up almost into the roundabout. Is that fair? Um, yeah, I think it is fair. And again, we could look at shortening up the merge a bit, as I alluded to. We could regain parking because parking that doesn't even exist today, you know, could, could yeah. occur closer to the roundabout. We would not regain, I very confident all the parking that would be lost on the street, but and that's sure. an, that's something if we were to combine these, we could we could make an assessment. Okay. You know? Yeah. I just I, that's probably I mean, I'm excited by everything that you've shown and I, I just trying to foresee what kind of issues or questions might come up and I suspect parking might be one of them. So I don't know if it's you know the added parking between Napa and Easterby or potentially there's that public lot uh -huh. that is um not well marked. Is that uh, litho or attorney? Where is that? The one? Um, yeah, they start all looking alike after a while. Um, <laughs> the one that's uh, in the parking lot, not the joinery, but just the, the next block. So I guess that's after attorney. Yeah, there's a, and those are private parking lots. Oh, is it? Is it well, there's, there's public spots there on the one side. There's public uh, spots across from, uh, I think it's Locust. I didn't know if perhaps there's a way to to remark that and and yeah. basically say like, hey, we, we've added five spot or ten spots by more, yeah. more efficiently marking up that parking lot. Yeah, and just to make process. it super clear, those, those three blocks of parking included on that prototypical section that Jen put together, those are all those are all private parking areas. The only area that, that doesn't have private is on, on Locust, you know, to the to the east. Okay. Okay. Um. The other thing is, I think it's the, the westbound sidewalk on Bridgeway. I'm curious if that would stay the same width. It's it's so narrow, and I'm just kind of thinking long-term about whatever retail shops or restaurants may or may not come in there. It's hard to walk two people side by side. It's so narrow down that sidewalk. Um, didn't know if there's any opportunity to make that a, a little bit wider. We can, we can look into that. We're holding that curb just because... Yeah, We're not gonna have many opportunities if we don't, but uh, that's something we could we could consider. Yeah, might might be nice for the restaurants. And then the last thing is, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on Pine Street, you know, and so we we deal. I'm excited about that roundabout and slowing cars down. I do wonder if if a roundabout went in, there might be implications on cars going off Bridgeway onto Caledonia, given that Caledonia doesn't have any stop signs. So if things back up on Bridgeway, people try to speed down Caledonia to get where they got to go. Um, 
so I don't know if that's something we want to think about uh, the speed of cars coming coming off that roundabout down down Caledonia. I think they'd be coming off the slower out of the roundabout <laughs> than they do today. Well, yeah. you know, you never know. Sometimes we get we get people coming up. Yeah, Pine Street because we yeah. blocked off the, what, oh, <laughs> the okay, wrong okay. way because they, they blocked up kind of way. So yeah. uh, people find their way around. Um, but yeah, like the, the the very tail of Caledonia, they blocked off. So sometimes people like to just take a shortcut the wrong way up Pine Street. Mm, so okay, they'll find a way. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, thank you. That was fantastic. All right, great. Uh, maybe I'll go. They'll go to one, and then we'll open it up to Matt and others for public comment. Uh, yeah, this was awesome. Thank you. It was just a lot of food for thought here. Um, you know, as I reflect on this, like the big, big topic for me is speed of vehicles because it just feels like it has this ripple effect to everything else, right? Like not stopping for the pedestrians because yeah. you kind of feel like you have all this momentum. Your, your brain can only process so much and looking at those 11 uh, crosswalks on either side. Um, and so it's in two directions, right? Like one is coming from the north. Yeah. So what you've started to identify for about the Easter Bee, I'll call it the pre-merge and the Napa roundabout feels like, I mean, that would go so far to reducing vehicle speeds for every single car that comes through. Um, it just, I, I like the interim, the, like the solution of the refuge island, but like it's, it's hard to kind of not drool a little bit over the, the roundabouts. On, on the south side, it feels like if, if you have a red light and there's a bike in the bike box that gives you some traffic calming because they're kind of setting mm -hmm. the pace for the beginning. Um, you know, food for thought would be a, could be an interesting place for a speed controlled stoplight. Um, so if someone is northbound, south of Johnson, you know, if they're going over the speed limit, they're actually going to get a red light. Um, it's probably a place where if Kevin doesn't already have it, he wants EMS preemption so it needs some signal mm -hmm. may, may need some signal updates anyway so it could be an idea there um one option on or, or one question is when we talk about left turns potentially getting rid of left turn lanes or not if we had lower traffic speeds but the same car volumes is it easier or harder to make left turns i don't know if that's like if there's a if there's a rule of thumb answer on that I think it'd be very similar. Similar. Yeah. I think we've all been out there during different times of the day and yeah, you know what is this is limited gaps. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I really appreciate including the cycle track vision. I know it's not as immediate as any of, any of us would like, but I think it's good to have that thinking in there. Um, in those roundabout images, there is that it's not, it's not the nicest bike path right now most people don't even recognize it as a bike path but there is that bike path just kind of north on the little um spur on the north part of napa there or the east part of napa so i think especially the first version actually without the bypass yeah um, feels pretty future proof that you can you know people who want to take the cycle track can continue that way avoid the roundabout altogether and continue on northbound that's side um, part of the bay trail too yeah, it is. It is. It's not, you wouldn't know unless you're looking. Um, you know, I go both ways on the cycle track of, you know, do you keep the bike lanes? I think if it's designed well and, you know, there is a fair amount of right of way there. It's, it's, the idea is let's, you know, the safety is really when you can remove commingling of different modes. And I feel like giving up the 
the bike lanes in order to have a proper cycle track and a sufficient amount of parking for local needs um, is something we should we should think through and we should debate. Um, so I, one question, when you talked about potential realignments, either if you were kind of playing with the left turn lanes or even getting rid of them altogether, do those, I'll call them wiggles, I'm sure there's a better word for it, but where the you're essentially realigning the traffic, does that actually help with traffic calming or is that a risk factor? I think in, in, in communities, I think that are where you have the same drivers where we've done it, it's been very successful. I'd be a little concerned on Bridgeway with the tourists yeah. and how people just don't pay attention uh, when they're driving up and looking at maps and whatnot. I would almost want to, this is a case for this stretch. Of, I'm so familiar with this. I, I almost want to keep it as uniform as possible. Yeah. Okay, that's helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, don't want, I wouldn't want a driver driving into a bike lane, right, or, or into a refuge area. Uh, who's just not paying attention. Yeah, keep it simple. Uh, yeah, I, first pass, right? I don't like the idea of fewer choices for pedestrians, but I think I can just, I can wrap my head around the fact that there's just so many places for a driver to be looking at any given time and the mistake they make and the ramifications that that can have in a moment. Um, I get heart palpitations sometimes when I'm down there and you know, people are locking up brakes and someone's trying to cross the street and people are blowing past them. So. Again, it comes back to speed, but I think also these consolidation ideas are definitely worth looking at. Uh, did AB43 come up? I know we have, we need a lot of design improvements, but could AB43 complement this to think of it as a 20 mile per hour zone? We think we we think it could, yeah. Okay, thanks, Dave. It was on my mind. I'm sure, I'm sure I'll have other thoughts, but thank you. Yeah, and it's to add one thing too, we, we uh, internally asked ourselves, what do we think about consolidating crosswalks, right? We're Fundamentally, usually against that, because you want to provide as many opportunities for, for pedestrians as possible, right? But when you have 11 or 13 uncontrolled crosswalks and uh, maybe inattentive drivers, and the possibility if you do consolidation, you could get a refuge island on one side, you know, we thought that that, that could um, trump the idea of having, having two at each location. That there may be a benefit to that. So we actually have been debating that ourselves. And we love, we appreciate your input on that. Thanks. All right, go to Warren and then we'll open up for public comment. Thank you, Kieran and David and, and company. Really appreciate all the, the presentation. Uh, really nicely done. Um, a bunch of people got my comments already. Just wanted to stress, um, big fan of the refuge islands. I think, you know, those are also gonna have a traffic calming effect as the street, you know, narrows down for, for drivers as they approach them, which I think is just gonna increase yield rates at these crosswalks. Really appreciating the daylighting. Um, just one question, is there any consideration for daylighting? Is, is the daylighting just on the approaches on Bridgeway or is there any daylighting for the sides, the stop controlled side street approaches as well? Speaking of someone who is, recently pushed around a stroller a lot. Um, when cars are parked all the way up to that stop bar, um, there, there can be those visibility issues. So I was curious, people kind of coming down the hill onto Bridgeway, are we looking at those parking places too? Really happy to see, oh, sorry, I'll let you answer if you want. No, sorry. thanks for bringing that up, Warren. You know, we've been focused on north-south, but we, sh we definitely should take a look at that. I appreciate that for the side streets. Yeah, You're it, talking about the side streets, right? Yeah, it's not every street because some have yeah. angled parking, but there mm -hmm. are some where it's parallel parking right up to the stop. Yeah, great idea. 
Um, really happy to see Easterby, that Easterby to Napa um, area covered. That is, that's the part where I hold my butt every single time <laughs> I'm coming south. So really, really pleased you guys are taking a look at that. And just kind of like clarify things in the options we're looking at in the segment from, you know, Johnson to Napa. Yeah. It, am I understanding things to, if I think of things, it's like, there are three things. There's continuous northbound bike lanes, there's parking, and there's left turns, and we kind of get to pick two. Is that a fairly? That's correct. Um, okay, cool. Just yeah. to kind of clarify that in our minds, we can kind of grip two of those, but not all three. Um, and then lastly, I just wanted to um, second Kieran's um, thoughts about AB43 and are we, you know, is it possible to think about this, like, you know, like do it as the designs as if it is a possible 20 mile per hour corridor. Um, just keep that in mind. So really appreciate all the work um, y'all are doing. Keep yeah. up with the good stuff. I do have to say, you know, with the roundabout and these refuge islands, we, uh, I, I would anticipate the speeds would come down quite a bit, you know, but AB43 would just be a cherry on the top, right? So. You're in there. Great. Thanks all. Let's open it up for public comment and we'll go to Matt first, I believe. Hi, this is Matt Hartzell with WTB TAM. Thank you, Karen, and thank you, David, for this presentation and all the hard work that went into it. Um, a, lot, a lot of good improvements here. So my question is about how many, if any, of these alternatives that you presented would you consider compatible with the long-term vision for the cycle track? Because I, I realize that the cycle track is going to take more time and money and that if there's some lower hanging fruit improvements that we can make in the meantime, we should by all means make them. But I would hate to see good money and time and energy spent on near-term improvements that then would just have to be bulldozed and, and demolished to make room for the cycle track in the future. So I was wondering of the kind of uh, alternatives that you did do plan views for, which of those, if any, would be yeah, would allow for the extension of the cycle, the, the creation of the cycle track in the future without having to undo a lot of the work that it, that would have been done. It's a great question. I think all of them, because all of them are actually minor civil engineering improvements, um, mostly striping. There's some shaving back of these subtle bulb outs a little bit. Pet refuge islands in the middle of the street are relatively inexpensive because we're not dealing with drainage, right? There's a crown in the street. We can put them in the middle of the street. Those, if a cycle track came in, let's say you put, put the refuge islands in and then later you put a cycle track in, they would have to be redone, okay? Because the cycle track option would move the curb a bit. Um, but we can confirm that, not 100% sure. Um, but one thing we do know about the cycle track, or we, we feel if there was a decision and we looked at a cycle track. We looked at, I think, eight different cross-sectional options. We're showing you one tonight, the one with the side from, from east to west, the sidewalk, the cycle track, a buffer, uh, class two bike lanes, no parking on the east side and parking on the west side. Um, we do know that all on all the cycle track options, the curb on the east side would have to move in or to the west about three, four or five feet compared to what's out there today. So there would be complete total reconstruction of the street. The option that we showed you again had no parking on the east side with the cycle track. So from a 
transition standpoint, if, you know, if one, if one option was selected that was probably most compatible with it, it would be the option to remove all the east side parking sooner rather than later, because it'd be easier to transition right into it, if that makes sense. Okay, but that's a heavy lift. That's 30 uh, net loss of half the parking spaces on the six six block segment. Does that make sense? Thank you. Yeah, okay. Great, thanks Matt. David, I believe you're next, then we'll go to Sybil. Um, I can't, you um, can open my camera. So I apologize. Can you okay? Can hear you. Yeah, okay, good. Um, so, well, uh, thank you, David. This is uh, very interesting. I'm very uh, interested and concerned about um, the crosswalk situation and um, making sure that there's sufficient room for pedestrians in our small town. Um, I'm particularly interested, I, I love that you've um, included curb bumps, outs, and uh, refuge items in um, all, all of your um, proposed ideas, except, of course, for the cycle track. Um, I'm particularly concerned about keeping those options for B Street and Napa Street. Uh, there are two senior apartment buildings on B Street and uh, in that block and um, it's um, in the block between, you know, just um, west of Caledonia. And um, so the, the folks, um, most of the folks living there do not have cars. And um, so they uh, really need to have uh, a safe option for crossing Ridgeway there. Uh, to get to Dumphy Park, or some of them walk all the way to, um, you know, to groceries and so forth. And um, also Napa Street, um, which is also a major um, crossing area between Caledonia and Dumphy Park. And that's especially true, of course, during our holidays. Uh, for the July, Halloween, different times when we may have activities happening on Caledonia um, and then ending up at Dunphy Park. Um, so um, just mentioning that, but on a day-to-day -day basis, um, there's a lot of, you know, that's one of the major cross crossing areas uh, for pedestrians. And the B Street, where there have been a couple of seniors um, injured at the curb, and not necessarily hit by cars, but being, um, um, you know, having a problem crossing there. And um, so I think it's really important to think about that, uh, especially in, in those years. Um, having having very uh, visible crosswalks um, and having the um, extra amenities of the bump out of the refuge islands to make it really easy for people who are a little bit slower to get across the street there and also feel the confidence that they can get across the street without being hit by something. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Sybil. David. Hi, everybody. 
Um, I like this idea of the crosswalk, uh, the circle, the, that first circle I've been um, become very familiar with in the last two months. Um, and uh, I'd say the average speed is about 20, 25 miles an hour is the vehicle speed through and then through around about like that. And trucks, you know, you have the that kind of shoulder center that trucks can go around and if they know what they're doing, they can navigate that quite well, even a semi. Um, I would say that my experience is, is there, those intersections are very unfriendly for a bicycle that is not going to speed traffic. Um, it just kind of constrains the shoulders get, um, just feel a little bit unsafe. Um, I would, I would double down on the, the idea of improving the cycle track, at least in front of Dumphy Park, that's fairly wide and existing. Uh, improving the transition on and off the curb there, maybe putting a diagonal ramp in earlier to get uh, the less, you know, confident riders off the street and onto the cycle track and then improving the transition from the cycle track in front of Dumphy Park to the one in uh, in the Marin ship, you know, so that we get people that might not be comfortable going around that circle in a bicycle onto the cycle track and going through the Marin ship instead of uh, trying to navigate that going uphill. Uh, would be my suggestion. It would it would make it a lot more comfortable for people not biking at 15 or 20 miles an hour. Thanks. Thank you. Great. Thanks, David. It's kind of like a, the, the early version of cycle track of using some of the existing infrastructure. Thanks. Okay. Any other public comment? Good. Um, David, final question for you. Is there a final, like coming out of this, is there a final design deliverable? How should we think about kind of next touch points between you, the city, city and ways we can be involved? Well, I think I'm going to, we're going to take this, this great feedback we got tonight and figure out how to um, mix and match and create some, you know, you guys understand this, but we got to figure out how to, how, how to put this together in some packages, right? that an alternatives, uh, I want to work with Kevin uh, and Andrew um, at the city a bit on that and um, probably package some things in the next four to six weeks. That makes sense. Kevin, I want to turn back to you. What do you think about that? We haven't chatted about it. Yeah. Recently. I, I, like I mentioned before, I want to give David and his team enough time to really take a look at the safety aspects to make a good recommendation to the city itself, because it, it's, I'll circle back to what he said originally, that there are trade-offs with each yeah. one of these. So we had talked about the trade-off of losing parking. And maybe some folks in this meeting um, may be for that, but there are others in town who may not be. So we have to kind of look at all that, weigh it, make sure we, when we bring it to council, the, the final recommendations that we're trying to get all on the same page. Great. Thanks all. And thanks, Kevin and Andy, for supporting this and getting it going from the city side. Kevin, what do you think? Do we have time for 4B or should we save it for next time? Um, that's up to you, Mr. Vice Chair, whatever you think. I just, before we go, want to thank Jen, want to thank Venera. Great job. Thank you for your help. And David, great job on the presentation. Thank you. And I also want to thank Jen and Venera. They've been uh, really working hard at this and it's very complicated. It's a lot more complicated than, than it looks. <laughs> We've come to realize that. And uh, so we re really appreciate the input from this group. Thank you.
Thanks all. Thank you. It's up to you, Mr. Vice Chair, what you would like to do. Yeah, I can do a three minute version of this one. Is there anything, do you want me to just run through and present? Well, All right. Uh, 4B is the major pedestrian access issues. Yeah. Can you talk about those since you kind of yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll run through that. So yeah, I was using this as given some of our storm activity as well as some just recurring pedestrian issues. I actually made a next door post, collected a fair amount of input from people in the community. So kind of thanks to folks who weighed in, things we've covered before, but also we had Joanna Carver, Bob Alon, David Suto, Ann Walbridge, Helen Isoff, Lauren Gonzalez, Jessica R, and others who weighed in. I just wanted to kind of quickly capture some of the pedestrian things that are out there. Uh, not trying to get into kind of road, bike, driver conflicts, but more, you know, things that need fixing. So just very quickly, Valley Street Steps, I don't have a picture on this one, but that was one that came up as being a very important maintenance condition, um, you know, likely to be a more expensive fix soon. The North Street Steps are closed during to a landslide. They look actually pretty cleaned up. This is as of a couple of days ago. They look quite cleaned up, but it looks like there's a bit more work to do there. There were, and these are all, all about four days old. At the Spinnaker sidewalk to the Spinnaker, it was completely obstructed. So if you're in a wheelchair or something, you're stuck here and need to go backtrack and get around. The Locust Street upper steps, so right before the head Casno, are in pretty rough shape. There's one broken tread, but that's just kind of one of many things of, you know, this is probably uh, in pretty rough shape. Handrails is broken up here. Um, a, a number of kind of deferred maintenance issues. The litho steps, I don't have a picture on, uh, but community members called this out. This is kind of the, the dirt set of steps in pretty rough condition, difficult for people to, to navigate if they aren't in uh, perfect, perfect mobility condition. The Langendorf steps have been closed for about two years. I actually feel kind of bad because I think I reported this to the city and then they closed it and the bridge has since disappeared and it's it's really fallen apart. Um, the vegetation is overgrowing things, probably destroying things that might not have otherwise been destroyed. So this one is fully out of commission. The Bridgeway sidewalk uh, near where the Woodward landslip is, this is just an incredibly narrow sidewalk. The area where the mudslide was is actually one of the widest areas because the curve's been added, but this is like almost comically narrow for people to pass through. Another set of closed steps. These are actually on private properties, I understand it, but i uh, not sure if it's in their use permit or uh, if the city has any influence here, but ever since the homeless encampment was at Marincha Park, this was swiftly closed and partly disassembled and I, there's no action there. Uh, I thought I'd be remiss to not call out that Marincha Park as a whole is closed, clearly very active for many pedestrians and people, whether they're cutting through or whether they're using the space. The sidewalk in Marincha Park is in really rough shape. So again, if you're in a a wheelchair or have mobility issues, this is becoming pretty hard to navigate and dangerous. And also in this area, the waterfront path, which I believe is private property. And I forget, Marina Plaza Harbor, I believe, but this one's really rough. The, actually, the rains have actually made it somewhat better because it's filled in with mud uh, instead of being as cavernous of a pothole, but it's pretty rough. And then what else have, did I not hit? 
the Tamales path connector has quite a sharp drop off here. So if it's, it's a pretty sudden step, people may not be ready for it. It could be a trip hazard. And the final one, which Mr. Suto called out, thank you, is if you're coming downhill on Nevada, and so you're driving downhill on Nevada, where I'm moving my mouse, are people who may people who may be waiting to cross the crosswalk, and you're not going to see them until you're pretty darn close to that crosswalk. And let's just say people don't always make a full stop for this one; it's a rolling stop at best. And if they don't know that someone's either at that crosswalk or actually entering the street from that crosswalk, it could be bad news very quickly. And the same goes for being the pedestrian on the other side. You can't see if cars are coming. So it can be fairly, uh, make you fairly nervous as you're thinking about starting that journey. So those are a few things that I called out. And I think most of these probably rise above the level of just being report a problem, uh, but you know, hopefully not major, major capital improvements, but um, just want to get this out there on the record and thank members of the community for weighing in and also thank Kevin, Andy, other members of city staff, who I know have already done a ton to clean up after the storm. I know there are other, lots of other things that have come up in the last week. Uh, plus, they've already been addressed. So thank you all, and I'll stop there. So with some of those, I would encourage uh, folks to just call us here at the city so that we go out and take a look at them, see if we can fix things. Uh, in a more immediate fashion or clean up things like the one next to Spinnaker. Um, it'd be good to clean that up right away if we would have known about it, that type of thing. Or a broken stair, one or two, yes, we can take care of that, that type of stuff. Okay. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll continue to work with you on this offline and we can su submit some things. Now, I think we got it covered now. So let me, let me take a look at what you've got and uh, make sure that we can, if we can do something, we will. Okay, thank you, Kevin. The other option is to make sure that we include them on the capital improvement program, such as the one on Langendorf Park. That's been on the list for several years, it just hasn't had money set aside in order to fix it. Yeah. We do have that fit stair fund. I don't know if you've looked at what it can be used for, but there's like 160K in there. Okay. Uh, any public comment or any questions or comments from the feedback? I think I'd like to commend uh, Kevin and his team for filling in some potholes on Bridgeway that some time ago David had pointed out, David Sudo, um, in the northbound lane. It, it really is very helpful. So thanks, thanks, Kevin, for all your attention to potholes and, and other requests that are made. It, it's really very helpful. Thank you. Thanks, folks. I'll convey that all the, way, all the way to our maintenance division. They've been working really hard to catch up, and uh, they're pretty darn dedicated. So hats off to them. Great. Thanks. Thanks for calling out, Ria. Any public comment? Um, Kieran, one, one quick thing. I'd just say you know, thanks again to, to Kevin and, um, and David and his team. And you know, by all means, please use us as, uh, as resources. You know, we're, I'm very excited about this, and I think it'd be great for the community. So. If there's anything we can do as things come up, other than just provide feedback every two months or, you know, three months, however long we we have between these two meetings, uh, we're we're open to it. Um, thank you. And what we have used your help with before is trying to strategize on grants. So we're trying to seek out money, and a lot of you folks have um, more background in certain grants, and so. Utilizing your help with some of those to identify them and, and making sure our projects fit within the grant scope. 
sometimes that can be tricky. So anything you can come up with, we appreciate. Sounds great. Okay, maybe I'll move us on to 4C, the Bridgeway, Princess Street to Richardson Street project update. Kevin, do you have anything or should I hand it over to Warren on the OBAG 3? So I, I have a quick update is that um, we received the agreement back from ABAG back at the end of October. We've been a little busy since then. We've sent in, we've developed the RFP, which is a request for proposal for the um, consultant that we're gonna hire with ABAG's funding. That has to be approved by ABAG. So we've sent it over to ABAG for them to review it. It's my understanding there's a few legal things that have changed. And so that's why we need them to take a closer look at one or two items. We should receive that back in about a week, week and a half. Whenever they have time, I'm coordinating with the ABAG uh, person on staff. So hopefully we'll turn that around, get our consultant back on board, not on not back on board, but send it out for a solicitation and then award it closer to March. Okay. Great. Thanks for that update, Kevin. Does that include, does the current draft of that RFP include considerations for kind of the community engagement, considering all, all users and perspectives? Yes. In fact, that's the major piece is that public outreach piece. I think the design is fairly simple. In fact, Aaron already put it all, Aaron and Karen already put it all together. So um, the main issue is getting the public outreach and it could, can turn into a contentious project in some way because the businesses could be impacted by losing that center median. And so that's that's really the tricky part of the project. So we're hoping to get somebody who has uh, obviously the the background in designing something, but also to have that public outreach component so that they can get the public involved with this. Great. Thank you, Kevin. And Warren, did you have anything to add? Yeah, sorry, there's a swalking baby in the background. Um, and just, just to clarify, Kevin, so the there's also, also construction funding is potentially being awarded by uh, MTC, right, with the, the OBAG-3 grant awards that they're um, going to be confirming later this week. Is that, is that your understanding as well? It's my understanding that I'm moving forward with what's being awarded. What's been awarded is ABAG. I can't count on anything else yet. Yes, we've received some notification that they are going to approve the construction funding, but we want to be able to get through this public outreach piece and have some idea of whether we're going to move forward with the actual construction before accepting or signing off on accepting the funding. So getting this moving quickly is going to be important. And it's my understanding that, uh, what is it, OBAG 3, the money might not become available until later on in the year itself. Yeah, we could get awarded, but the actual money won't be there yet. Okay, so there isn't a, a tension there between getting that money kind of before the RFP has been awarded for the, for the actual planning and, and, and outreach. Again, I'm not quite sure of all the details yet. And once we find out uh, how OBAG is going to work specifically, then I can answer that question. Sounds good. Thank you. Great. Thank you both. Any public, any comments from the PBAC members on this one or questions? Any public comment? Seeing none, I'll move on to future agenda items. I know we're late here, but any items people would like to see come up in the future? Regan. Yeah, with the big storms and the king tides, we recently had um, 
some major uh, obstructions on the bike path that is, of course, outside of our jurisdiction, outside of Sausalito, but in county and, and Mill Valley land, I think. I think we should develop a strategy to deal with it because for those who don't have cars, that's the only way to get out of Sausalito going north. And uh, albeit that it's, it's time limited, it only happens for about three hours during the day, but we should, I think, at least develop a near-term strategy knowing that sea level rise is only going to make this worse. It's only going to become more frequent. So clearly, I think our group can reach out to other stakeholders and kind of develop a, a near-term strategy that could include things like um, cones to allow cyclists on the freeway to at least get around the floods while they're there. Um, anyway, that's, that's my thought, is we should discuss what we might do in the near future, because this is not going to stop. Thanks, Regan. Yeah, we're definitely important constituents. Uh, Warren. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to um, boost what Regan was saying. This was something that um, MCBC ended up dealing with when the that segment of the Mill Valley path north of Mike Spikes um, to Almonte was being resurfaced by Marin County Parks last year, um, or 2021, I guess. Um, you know, initially there was not going to be any accommodation and it was just cutting off Sausalito Mill Valley um, for people walking and biking. Um, we worked to get a, a bus or, you know, as like a bus bridge, a, um, a, a car with a trailer, you know, running, shuttling people between there. And I, you know, I just, I think, you know, I, if we did that a couple, few days, few days a year for high tides, it feels like a bare minimum for, for letting people uh, do that. So yeah, I really, really love that idea. I'm glad you caught that out. Great. Any public comment on future agenda items? Okay, seeing none, uh, I think we'll move for adjournment. Uh, before we do that, again, thank you to David Parisi, Jen, Venera, thank you to Megan, to Kevin, to Andy, whoever else might be hiding back there, making all of the staff work for this meeting for my fellow committee members, members of the public who joined us. Thanks. Um, I think we actually can say that a lot is happening here. We're super appreciative of the city of everybody weighing in and more to come. We'll see you in uh, a month or two. We'll sort it out offline. Sounds good. Thank you, everyone. Appreciate all okay. the help.